was talking to somebody before the service and mentioned that I was going to be starting a series on the book of Job, and they said, good luck. <laughs> I know. I feel that. It's, it's, it's a tough book. It's a tough topic. But um, I generally feel very um, assured of the, the, the sermon series that we do, that this is what God wants us to uh, have a conversation about, and I feel that way about this book. Um, even just this week, I have had difficult phone calls, hard conversations. One of those things where you look at someone and says, I got nothing. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, because people want answers, right? And that's, that's the frustrating thing is, is because we're not God, we don't always know the whys. And I don't understand. And that's just me being honest. I don't, I don't understand why God took my mom and dad. I don't understand why we lost a grandbaby last year. I don't understand why John Weir has terminal cancer at the age of 30. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why that happens. I don't, I don't, and I hate it. I hate it. And yet, we're not the first ones to be asking these questions, right? So like Job is, is probably is the oldest book in the Bible. It was written and the, the events happened uh, so, and, and it's really hard to pinpoint. There's like three different theories about it. But, I mean, Job probably lived sometime after Noah. That makes sense, right? But before Moses, I mean, that's kind of like the window that we're looking at. Um, there's, there's arguments a lot of ways around that. Um, we don't even know who wrote the book of Job. Um, it's, it's, it's the recording of events that I believe really took place. I, I, I don't believe it's allegorical. I think that these things really happened to Job. I think he was a real guy who lived. There's a lot of evidences for that. And, uh, and, and I think that, that you can explain away the word of God as much as you want to, or you can just believe it, you know? And I think that that, is, that makes a lot more sense to me, right? You can, you can try, to, uh, try to wrap your brain around an infinite God if you want to. It's just never been a very fruitful effort. In my book. So I feel like we need to look at what we know has happened as though it really happened. And, and in this series, what I'm hoping to do is, is I'm, I'm really trying to lower your expectations right now. Do you sense that? Like I'm really trying to like be realistic about what Eric's going to bring out here. Um, but we do want to try and, and talk about today like when good things happen, when bad things happen to good people. Um, in this series, we also want to kind of talk about what do you do when you don't know the why. Um, we want to we want to look at friendship and how that relates to suffering. Um, we want to talk about when you're in that place and you're surrounded by just the darkness of it all. Like, what do you do in those moments? Um, and how to grow your faith in the midst of all of the suffering. So, those are some of the things that that I have outlined to discuss. All taken out of this 42 chapters of the book of Job. And, um, and, and here's the thing. So Job at the end kind of leaves you hanging anyway. So it's like you get to the end of the book of Job and the whole time you're reading it, you're waiting for all these great answers and not all of them come. But this book of Job starts in heaven and uh, the first couple verses tell us a lot about this individual named Job. And it says this in verse one. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, or if you're a new believer, it's okay to call him Job. 
And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God. And I love this King James word. He eschewed evil. That's not the only word I like in here, but we'll get to that in a minute. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she asses. I love the King James because I get to say stuff like that. (laughs) I know, I'm I'm 50-some years old, but I still have a little 12-year-old kid in me, all right? I know a couple she asses. But that's a different sermon. And a very great household. That's why we have children's church people, okay? (laughs) So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Wow. All right, that's a qualifying statement. We're not talking about just anybody here. This was the greatest of all the men in the East. So then what, what, what we see next in, in this first chapter is you see Satan going before God. And that's, that's, that's the next scene that plays. And God asks Satan, where have you been? What have you been doing? And he says, well, I've just been roaming around the earth, right? Just checking people out. And, and, he, and, then, and then God brings this up. God says, have you considered my servant Job? It's almost like a dare. It's almost like, have you taken a look at this guy? He is incredible. He loves me. He walks uprightly. He, he fears me. He hates evil. He walks away from it. And Satan challenges God and says, well, if you would let me, I can change that. If you'll let me at him, then I can show you what's really in his heart. And God allows him. And this is what we have a real hard time with. We're like, how how can God allow all of this calamity to happen to Job on a dare? It doesn't seem very God-like. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm not God. And I'm not going to stand in judgment of God's behavior. So in one day, Job has four messengers come to him and reveal to him how his world has fallen apart. He lost all of his crops. He lost all of his animals. And all 10 children are killed. In one day, Job tears his clothes and bows his head And worships the Lord. So, if you're of the opinion that because you're a Jesus follower, somehow you're immune from suffering, I hate to disappoint you this morning, but you are not immune. And I don't want to ruin how you feel about yourself. And the good decisions that you've tried to make in life. But bad stuff happens to good people too. And I hate to, 
hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's no way that you're going to insulate yourself. You can be upright in all your ways. You can hate evil. You can plan your life out. You can be financially successful. You can make every right decision in life and still not be immune from calamity. It hurts. It's unplanned. It doesn't seem right. It's unfair. It makes no sense, but it happens. And so what we look for are like answers because we feel like there's got to be some reason for this. There's got to be something I did wrong or something that they did wrong or or some good that's going to come out of it. I'm telling you, there are things in my life that I'm still waiting to find out where the good is in that. That makes no sense to me at all. So if you get nothing else from me today, get this sense of empathy that I have because I don't always understand and I'm with you like I don't even agree sometimes. I don't know why stuff happens, but stuff does. And so all that I have this morning when good people have bad calamities in their life or when they get the diagnosis or the phone call, I don't have answers for you, but I do want to help with some perspective if I can. And as we begin this conversation about the life of Job and what he went through and, then, and, and, and how it's all recorded here, at least help, let me help you with some, some perspective here. And the first thing is, is that our view of life is limited, right? We see things two-dimensionally. We don't understand the future. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what God has do what he's doing in the lives of other people. And it makes no sense to us, and it's not fair, and it's, 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 uh, it, it, I don't see any good in this happening. And let me just be real. It's okay. In my opinion is, it's okay to say that. It's okay for you to have those moments where you're like, doggone it. That just makes no sense. I don't get it, God. I don't understand this at all. Because you're not, when you say those kind of things, it's not like you're standing in judgment of God Almighty. You are honestly saying, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But let me give you this, though. Are you okay with believing that God does? Because sometimes we don't know, and all we do know is that he does know. And sometimes we have to be okay with not us knowing, but that the one that we love and trust and believe loves us with all of his heart, who gave his son for us, knows the why even when we don't know the why. And we have to be okay with staying ignorant sometimes. And the fact that we think that we deserve an answer is the wrong perspective here, I think. Notice that Job didn't know what was going on in heaven. This conversation that was happening. He only saw his circumstances. I'm not sure what that word just was, but he only saw his circumstances. And here's the truth. We see circumstances all too clearly. Like that's what we look at. Like if you ever, you know, 
You've been to a sporting event and you didn't think it was out, right? You know, you, that happened last week. I've never been one of those parents that wants to give his glasses to the umpire, but there have been moments where I'm like, are you kidding me? And then like just a couple days ago, I'm sitting right on the, the line, you know, and I clearly saw that it was in. And I did have the right perspective, by the way. <laughs> but we see things very two-dimensionally. My illustration just broke down. But so consider this. This world is a means to a better life. So we see things two-dimensionally like this hurts, so it's bad. I don't like this, so God should change it. I'm uncomfortable. I don't deserve this. We see things very two-dimensionally, right? But God will test us, and God does discipline us. And here's the honest truth. <laughs> If we were God, we would do the same thing. The reason I'm saying that was a very cautious amen. I heard that, Cliff. That's right. <laughs> There's like a question mark at the end of that one. Amen. But, but reason with me here for a second. You're not God, but if you were God, you'd be perfect. And you would only do that which is perfect and good. So if you were God then you would do the same thing that God is allowing. And what God does and what God allows is a completely different conversation. I'm just saying that we kind of have this attitude like, well, if, if I were God, that never would. But that's what kind of what we're saying when we don't agree with what God is doing. But John the Baptist got beheaded, Right? Jesus was crucified, and yet we feel for some reason that it doesn't make sense that we are having a hardship that we're going through. Thomas Warren said this. He said, God created the world not as man's final and ultimate destination, but as the ideal environment for soul making. And that is, that is heavy goodness right there. That's like this world is not for us to remain in. This world is developing in us who we're supposed to be for all of eternity. And sometimes it's not easy to mold the clay into something different. This world is the ideal environment for soul making. So our view is limited. Let's admit that. The second thing is, our definition of good is biased. So good is what we think good is, right? So our version of what good is and what God allows to happen to us and what God gives us is how it references us. Good is based on what we think that maybe we have earned or what we have anticipated happening. And so if what we have anticipated happening doesn't happen, then it's bad that happens. 
Or if we don't get what we think we earned, then it's bad that we got. Good is based on our perspective, which is limited. You know, we're looking for the things that bring us comfort. We're looking for the things that are pain-free. We want to be like Christ with only fun, good things happening to us. But what about good that comes in different forms? What about, what about the good about who you are becoming through what is happening to you? What about the amount of time that you're now spending with the Lord because of the hardship that you're experiencing? Is that good? What about the good that can come from this event and what is happening? What about the help? that you are now able to be to other people who are going through what you have been through. Is that good? Yes. You don't get to define good because you're not God. So this all began, this whole story with Job, by God bragging on Job. (laughs) Like, you know, if Job had heard that, he'd be like, shh, shh, shh. No, don't say, don't say, I'm good, don't, right? But that's not what happened. So, so then God brags on Job. Satan says, all right, just let me at him. And what Satan was telling God, listen very carefully, the only reason that Job loves you as much as he does is because of all the blessings that you've given to him. Hello? What Satan was telling God was, you let me take those blessings away from him and you'll see how much he really loves you. How we doing? So when God starts to take things away from us and bad things happen to us good people, how do we react to that? We don't get to define the good John Bloom said, I was reading an article this week. He said this, prosperity has a tendency to conceal idolatry and false faith. Wow. And then he said this, loss reveals what we really love and believe. And that's what I put in your notes. So when... When that bad thing happens, that's when we know. Satan said, well, of course Job loves you. Of course Job fears you. You have filled his life with blessing. You let me take all that away and you'll, you'll see where his trust lies. And then his trust will turn to cursing. That's what Job told God. He knew that here's a, that taking away is much has a, has a much more visceral reaction than when you get something. Try that with a two year old. When you give them something, the reaction is not as great as when you try to take it away, right? And that's how we react. And here's potent truth that Satan would rather us be faithlessly prosperous than faithfully afflicted. So just think about that. 
Which of these two categories are you in right now? Do you feel faithlessly prosperous or faithfully afflicted? Or somewhere in between? I believe that you can be faithfully prosperous. That's what Job was. So all of this good stuff is not where the good is. So Satan was trying to tell God, you take all of this good stuff away and you'll see what's in Job's heart. Job's like, God's like, I know what's in Job's heart. Like I know that he loves me. So you go ahead and take it all away and I know that he's still gonna love me because the goodness of Job was not in what he possessed. It was within him. Which brings me to point number three here, another, another new perspective here, and that is that God doesn't answer to us. You're like, I know that, Eric. I know you know that, but like, yeah, I don't think we know that. Right? It's like we know God doesn't answer to us, but we still feel like we are owed an explanation. We, so we don't mind when God blesses us, We might even think that we have done something because of our decision process that has earned the goodness that we've been shown. Careful. Well, I have a good job and a good income because I worked hard and I went to college. Careful. Be very careful. Well, I work hard. Who gave you your health? Who allowed you the ability to function? I'm telling you, your whole world can be turned upside down in a matter of 30 days. Thank God for his preserving health that he gives us and the abilities that he gives. Be very careful. Tim Keller said this. He said, if you have money, power, and status today, it is due to the century and place in which you were born, to your talents and capacities and your health, none of which you have earned In short, all of your resources are in the end the gift of God. That's that's about as clear as it gets. And it's amazing that the blessings that we get from God don't seem to accomplish quite the same as when the blessings are taken away. But here's the truth. What God is doing in you is more precious than what has happened to you because it's just revealing what's on the inside and God is working in that situation. He's working for you. Look at Job's reaction to all of this calamity, all of this catastrophe in verse 20. It says, Then Job arose after he's received all of this bad news and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What perspective. That word worshiped literally means to lie prostrate as though you are kneeling before somebody of greater superiority than you. And that's exactly what we have to do. It's like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. From my perspective, I don't even agree with it. But you are God. You are God alone. God doesn't answer to us. But here's the great thing. He has the answer. 
And he knows the why. We just might not find out about it for a while. My final piece of perspective that I'd love to give you, and this is something we've discussed before, but what you focus on grows. And so if you want to take this as my like, only piece of advice from this message, that's fine. But like, there's, there's been some, maybe some perspective changes in your heart in regards to suffering. But here's the, here's the big truth. What you focus on tends to grow. Job worshiped God. He immediately made himself low and recognized God's superiority in the situation. Focusing on Jesus doesn't minimize the situation. It just maximizes God. And that's what we need. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this. If you then be risen with Christ, those are believers, that's us. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Be thinking in a different frame of mind. The average person has 70,000 thoughts a day. But you only have, this is on average, 10 to 15 of the same thoughts that happen over and over again. So what that means is on average, an individual is thinking the same thoughts up to 10,000 times a day. That's a lot. So what are those thoughts that you are thinking about? So the idea is like if you can change your brain, like if you can retrain your brain to think the right kind of thoughts then it'll affect how you feel about the situation. And I don't want to get too scientific, and we've talked about this before, but there is something. So, so you, you have 11 million bits of data coming at you at any given second. You can only process 50 of those pieces of data in a second. So that means that 10,999,950 million pieces of data are just gone. How do you determine the 50 that end up going into your brain? We have this thing called a reticular activating system. And this reticular activating system is the filter for what we process and what we don't process. So how does the reticular activating system know what's important to you to allow in your brain it's what you train it to focus on and so if we focus on the lord and if we focus on things from his perspective it changes what we allow into our brain and what we begin to think about it literally changes how our brain thinks about our situation I'll give you an example. When, um, when you buy a new car, you spend all this time researching, and you get the car, and you're so proud of your car, and now you start seeing them everywhere. I didn't notice that all these people had the same kind of car until I bought the car. Because now your brain is noticing those bits of information that before it was ignoring. That's your reticular activating system doing its job. Now you're noticing different things. And you can retrain your brain to notice 
what God is doing as opposed to all the suffering that you're doing. You want a great Bible verse for that? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the second half of verse 5 says this, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You can retrain your brain. Bringing into captivity. You know what captivity means? To captivate it. You're like, I could have thought of that one. Yeah, yeah, you don't pay much, you don't get much. <laughs> like it's taking control of what your thought process is. You can, you can begin to think differently. And what you focus on begins to grow. When we begin to see things from God's perspective and we believe that there is good in it because he allowed it, it changes how we see what is happening. So so bad things do happen, right? Bad things happen to good people. I'm sorry. They do and they will. So I'll leave you with this. So hardship changes you. The question is, how will it change you? That's what you determine. Job, and we're going to see, he struggles a lot more. I mean, this is just the first chapter. He wants an explanation. Like he he is going to get to the place where he's demanding to have a face-to-face conversation with the God of this universe. So he's very real. And Job is, is, is experiencing all the same emotions that you or I might experience. I'm just telling you that his first reaction was to fall on his face and worship God. And he had trained himself and he had a relationship with God that was that genuine. And I hate to say this, but losing his family and all of his possessions was just the beginning of his hardship. More calamities are about to happen. And hardship will change you. The question is, how is it going to change you? So maybe here's some perspective that can help you this morning. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Don't be in a hurry, though. Spend some time contemplating the message and having great conversation. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, just in need of you, and I pray as we go through what we go through, um, we want answers. We want to be able to wrap our brains around the why. But that's not always promised, but your presence is. And we can trust your love for us and your goodness to us. And I pray, Father, that it would bring us closer to you and make us into who you want us to become. And that this life that we are living would have an eternal benefit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.